Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nasalli ala rasulihil kareem amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And we are continuing uh, uh, our study of the study of Quran. We're on ayah 2 of Surah Al-Fatiha. This is Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. And, and so, uh, beginning first, praise translates as Alhamd, which in, uh, indicates extolling the praiseworthy Mahmud and giving thanks to him for all his favors he has bestowed in the world, and so forth and so on. And, and a point to consider here is that Allah is worthy of praise, not just for what he has done for us, but Allah is worthy of praise for the simple reason that he is Allah. That because he is Allah, then automatically he is worthy of praise. And then from there we have this teaching where the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, uh, pray, when you say, Alhamdulillah, you will have thank God and he will increase your bounty. So what I want us to think about here is the difference between the subjective and the objective. In our modern era, we try to look at everything from an objective perspective, right? Meaning, so here's Allah and his attributes. So if we look at this from an objective perspective, we're saying that he's going to increase your bounty, meaning he's going to give you more than what you already possess. Mm -hmm. But your experience in life is almost entirely a subjective experience, which means that you may see that you have, let's say you possess $10, subjectively, it's not $10 that you possess, it's whatever that worth is to you, okay? And so the more gratitude you have, the $10 you have may actually feel like $100 or $1,000, right? And so the more gratitude you have, the more subjectively you're you're going to see you're going to have. So it means it doesn't negate the fact that he might give you more like something that you could measure, okay? But at the very least, subjectively, you're going to have more, okay? And much of your interaction with God is a subjective interaction. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. You want to try to explain it back? Try. I'm trying to think of a way to articulate it in mathematical terms, but I'm not a mathematical person. Okay. So, but, um... Just... Looking at this, I suppose, surface value in what you articulate is objective. One could think of if you if you give gratitude, then you receive more in response. Okay. But how I'm seeing the latter of what you interpreted. The latter being the objective or the subjective. Subjective. Okay. Um, if you give gratitude. Allah simply aids in increasing your ability to give more gratitude. Yeah, or Allah Ta'ala is, is giving you more by giving you more recognition of, of what you have. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so think about this quite a bit because uh, so much of our experience, if not all of it, is actually a subjective experience. You know, like for example, how you perceive someone versus what they really are. So how you perceive their intentions versus what their intentions really are, right? Um, this is all a subjective experience. And, and so you will, you know, you are looking at the world through the lens of your own eyes, and that's a subjective experience. Yeah. Okay, let's continue. But whereas? Um, but whereas, thanks, shukr, is given for what one has already received. Praise is given for the qualities the one who is praised possesses prior to having bestowed anything, and is thus more universal. Okay, so basically... The, the question being, what does it mean more universal? So we're basically saying praise applies whether anything has been done or not. So it's related to our point that Allah is worthy of praise just because he is Allah, right? 
Um, I don't know of any other scenario or any other person that we can describe that way that they are worthy of praise just for being. Okay. Uh, but uh, this is true for Allah, that he is worthy of praise whether he does something or he doesn't do anything. That's, that's universal. Whereas shukr, gratitude, is in response. Mm. Right. Okay, makes sense? Yeah. Okay, let's continue. Praise and hamd is rendered in the definite rather than the indefinite to indicate that all forms of praise and all gratitude belong to God. Okay, so I, I think that's pretty straightforward, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just any sort of praise, it is the praise, but it essentially means all praise ultimately belongs to God, which means what? Even if I'm praising you, what is actually taking place? Because you are a creation of Allah, mm -hmm. the praises of Allah. So all praise is either directly praise of Allah or indirectly it is praise of Allah. Yeah. Okay. It is said that God has praised himself in this opening address so that human beings can praise God in the speech of God. Since God knows that they cannot praise him fully in their own words. Okay. So, so this is the interesting part about this surah. Uh, most of the surahs or ayahs that, begin, that tell us something to say will begin by saying qul, or say. Yeah. Al-Fatiha doesn't begin with qul, even though we're being told to say such and such. There's only a few places. Uh, give me one second here. Okay, where did we leave off? What did we just say? You're mentioning how um, many surahs start with qul. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Al-Fatiha is one of the few cases where we have... Allah's words that we are supposed to say, but it's not preceded by qul, and that's raised all kinds of conversations. Um, and one way it's been interpreted is that al-Fatiha sort of is unique compared to the whole rest of the Qur'an. So the Qur'an speaks of, of itself as the seven oft-repeated verses, mm -hmm. meaning al-Fatiha, and the Qur'an. So think of al-Fatiha as the preface to the Qur'an, as the table of contents, so to speak, of the Qur'an. Um, the flashlight that we've been saying uh, of the Quran, it's all those things. And so, so um, how did that connect to what we were talking about here? Um, praise, oh yeah, okay, so, so here we're given a prayer for guidance, the first part of which is praise of Allah, and we're given the prescription on how to say it, right? And so I can speak to God in whatever language I want, saying whatever I want. Okay. Uh, uh, but the prescribed way of asking for help and guidance is al-fatiha. It doesn't mean that God is going to say no to the other ways, but what we're saying is that there's a proper way to do every single thing, right? Even, you know, the difference between just writing chicken scratch versus writing in proper penmanship, right? And so this is the proper way to articulate your desire for guidance. That's al-fatiha. Yeah. Like a formality? Kind of like a formality, um, but uh, a way to think about this is that uh, the sentiment of me saying, God, please guide me, versus the sentiment of me reciting it that way, uh, al-fatiha is similar, but it does become more formal. Uh, but we're saying it's also better for me to recite it that way, too, mm -hmm. that I'm also getting benefit by reciting it this way. Yeah. Yeah. Regarding the inability of human beings to praise God fully, the prophet is reported to have addressed God, saying, There is no way to enumerate the praise due to thee, thou art as thou hast praised thyself. Okay, um, so I think that's, that's another point to think about. So, 
Uh, Allah is beyond human comprehension. And because Allah is beyond human comprehension, we don't know if there's anything about Allah that is within human comprehension. Maybe some of it is, maybe some of Allah is, whatever that means, it's hard to even say, right? So, when we are using language and the sentiments within ourselves to communicate Allah, to perceive Allah, we're doing it to the best of whatever our abilities are, mm-hmm. right? So, I remember having a conversation with my nephew when he was, he was a little kid, like two years old, three years old. Somehow, we got in the conversation of Allah, and he goes, Allah is the one who built us. I was like, yeah, right? And that's how he conceived of Allah, or that's how he was able to articulate his conception of Allah. Okay? Maybe his conception of Allah was actually far more profound, but he didn't have the language ability to, to articulate it. right? And so, even when we have these attributes where Allah Ta'ala is telling us uh, about himself, that he's worthy of all praise, okay? uh, we express that to the best that we can, with the understanding that it is up to Allah Ta'ala whether or not Allah Ta'ala accepts it, but we would never be able to fully praise Allah as is His due because we don't know if we have done it. Right? Say that again. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I express praise to Allah, yeah. or praise of Allah. And so, uh, let's say Allah Ta'ala accepts the praise, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but, if I'm expressing praise of Allah, am I giving sufficient praise of Allah? How would I know? You don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. And we would probably guess that we haven't given sufficient praise or full praise as is due, but we don't know. Okay. Because Allah Ta'ala is that beyond our conception. Might there be a fault in assuming you have given sufficient praise? Um, there's a risk, yeah. you know. Um, there's a risk uh, to assume that you have. I would say so. You know, um, uh, what would be some of the possible risks or faults? Um, one that comes to mind is is perhaps if you if you assume you've given sufficient praise to Allah and perhaps things are not going as you would wish them to in your mm-hmm. life, then then your thinking might be perhaps you think a lot owes you something. Uh-huh. Exactly. You've, you've, you think you've given enough praise. Uh-huh. So where, where are my blessings? That's I've, exactly it. Yeah. And so therefore you're not really giving praise. You're because mm-hmm. you're basically, it's kind of like when, when you have two partners and one says to the other, I love you, but they're actually saying, I love you to hear. I love you back. They're not really saying I love you. Right. And so, uh, it is not uncommon for students come to me to come to me and say, okay, I make all my prayers why is this happening? Okay. But that's not how the system works. right? Because these are all acts of submission. So yeah, uh, let's do a little bit more. Um, similar to the Basmallah, praise be to God, is, frequently re- is a frequently repeated formula recited by Muslims on many occasions throughout their daily lives. But whereas the Basmallah is employed to consecrate a deed at its beginning, Alhamdulillah is employed to thank God for an act or event upon its completion. Okay, so I think that part's straightforward, right? Yeah. Bismillah is at the beginning, Alhamdulillah is at the end. Like it's, uh, it's recommended that after you have a meal, say Alhamdulillah, right? Um, but essentially, yeah, Alhamdulillah in terms of how we use it is after the fact. And, and the Bismillah is before the fact. Okay. According to traditional Islamic etiquette, whenever one is asked how one is feeling, the correct response should always be, Alhamdulillah, no matter one's condition. Yeah, what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
actually thought of it before in, in times where, where the answer is not alhamdulillah I'm good, but rather uh-huh. alhamdulillah I'm not good. Uh-huh. Um, cool. Of that alhamdulillah might very well, I might very well be able to say alhamdulillah simply because I have the ability to keep saying alhamdulillah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I met this guy a long time ago uh, who had a tough job. And I asked him, what's the job like? He goes, some days it's alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, and some days it's just alhamdulillah, right? <laughs> Which I think everyone understood exactly what he was saying, right? And another way to frame this is that I want to be able to reach the point where every, every response is actually the feeling of alhamdulillah, right? So... I might say alhamdulillah to go through the motion of saying alhamdulillah for everything. Alhamdulillah, I'm great. Alhamdulillah, I'm horrible. Right? But it's to see everything as good. Okay? And so there's a teaching attributed to the Prophet, peace be upon him, where he says, you know, how wondrous is the experience of the believer that when good happens, the person is grateful, but when bad happens, they also benefit. You know, because you're losing sins, you're being made stronger and everything, and they recognize that. Right? And so I want to be able to reach the point as a believer where um, it's easy for me to feel alhamdulillah when I receive good, but like in how people would generally regard good, but I also feel alhamdulillah that I've received good when Allah Ta'ala is causing me suffering. Okay? And intellectually, we all, I think, can understand that, but uh, to actually reach that point in an honest way as opposed to a self-delusion way, uh, I think, takes some effort. When I met the father of a friend of mine, who he works for the Communist Party in China, wow. and that said, he's 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 atheist, doesn't ascribe to any religion. Mm-hmm. But upon first seeing me, and seeing me in hijab, um, he asked me, "Oh, are are you religious?" And I said, "Yes." He said, "You know, I really respect religious people. You guys seem to have a higher reality than everyone else." Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And so much of, of the exploration of religion in general, Islam in particular, is how do you perceive reality? How do you perceive how life works? How do you make sense of, of everything within you and around you? Okay, let's continue. Reference is made to God as Lord, uh, Rab, yeah, throughout the Quran as Rabbil Alameen, some 42 times. Uh, Rab refers to a master who is obeyed, Sayyid to one who puts matters in their proper order, and to one who possesses something. Mm-hmm. In reference to Allah, it thus means that he is the master without peer, who arranges the affairs of all his creatures, and to whom all of creation belongs. Okay. So, you know, a lot, uh, one of the easier things about being in our society is that, in the general sense, the conception of God, in the general sense... Um, that we have in our society is not that different than the conception of God we have in Islam. Okay? When we get into the particulars, and when we speak about the Trinity and such, then things become very different. But when we speak of God as like the all, meaning omni- uh, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, uh, then uh, we find a lot of similarities. And so um, here we are given more instructions on how to perceive Allah in terms of our consciousness as a master without peer, meaning nothing can be compared to him, and anything you could use to compare to him, nothing compares to him. Okay? And he is master, so he's the ultimate master. Okay? And then he arranges the affairs of everything, so he completely controls everything, 
right down to the smallest detail, as well as the largest, and then he is owner of everything, meaning he owns me. So he's not just my master, he owns every bit of me, and he dictates my entire life. Completely comprehensive. Yeah. And you'd be surprised uh, across different religious traditions um, what I've just stated. Um, a lot of people conceive of God, or at least on paper that way, but you won't find that as much in terms of their actual perception of God. Okay, okay let's continue. Some also relate Rab to cultivation, tarbiya. Yeah. Since God is the caretaker, murabi, of all things, as well as the trainer and caretaker of our souls, hearts, and spirits. Yeah, so tarbiya is often translated as training. As what? Training. Training, oh. Yeah. That's quite different from cultivation. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> A lot of language in the Qur'an is the language of agriculture or the language of business, yeah. right? And so, so you'll find things like cultivation over and over again. So, so tarbiya would be cultivating, but and so applying it to humans, the idea of cultivating a human being would be training a human being, forming a human being. Yeah. Uh, what time is it? Okay, let's do uh, a little bit more. Let's see if we can finish uh, this. Uh. The world refers to various levels of cosmic existence and the communities of beings within each level. Some say it refers to four communities, human beings, jinns, angels, and satans. While others say it refers only to human beings and jinn, since the prophet is referred to as a warner unto the worlds. And only jinn and human beings are in need of a warner. Okay, why are only jinns and human beings are in need of a warner? Because only jinns and human beings have free will. Yeah, exactly. So angels don't need a warner because... Angels do not have the ability to disobey God. In your words, God's robots. Yes, the other God's robots. I haven't been able to come up with a better word. Thank you. I think you can come up with another word that's better. Yeah. It, may, uh, it may also refer to the different generations of human beings, to all the species in creation, or to God's being the sovereign over every level of creation from the earth throughout the seven heavens, as in those verses that refer to God as Lord of the heavens and the earth. Okay. So, yeah, you don't have to list out all those eyes, but... Uh, so, a way to think about this is, again, referring to our contemporary understanding of the world. When we hear Lord of all the worlds, we would think of all the galaxies and everything in the universe. I think of a multiverse. Or a multiverse, okay, yeah. And so, so in the previous eras, how was this understood? The realms of, of conscious beings. That was a, a common way that this was uh, understood. Thus, some say that in the most universal sense, the world refers to all existent things other than God. In this vein, the commentator... Um, Try it. Oh boy. Fakhr al-Din al-Razi. Yeah, Fakhr al-Din al-Razi. Okay. Notes that there is infinite space beyond this world, and that God can actualize all possibilities, even worlds and universes, of which we have no knowledge. Okay, so that's a very, very philosophical statement. So God can actualize all possibilities, and so this gets into the question of free will and predestination. So some people will argue that, okay... God is the one who sets the scenario, but you're the one who actualizes the, the possibility. But Razi is saying, no, God, God knows all the possibilities of everything that could possibly happen. So imagine we rewound the universe all the way to the Big Bang, if that's the beginning of the universe. And so a series of steps happened over the course of, you know, however many trillion years to, or billion years for us to get to where we are now. But any one of those points in history, a different thing could have happened, leading to a completely different, um, you know, development of the universes and, and, what, and whatever else. And so we're saying uh, that, that Allah actualizes or can actualize all of the possibilities of everything. 
know. And so it's fun stuff to think about in terms of trying to express Allah's greatness and express Allah's omniscience in, in all sorts of different ways, right? So I can imagine, you know, three, four, five, ten things I can do right now, okay? Uh, all of those uh, Allah can actualize as well as if we move back half a second, how much things would be even slightly different, move back another half a second, going back 15 billion years, okay? Yeah? So, fun, fun uh, stuff to think about. Okay. And then the other point here, that uh, there is infinite space beyond this world. So, the basic point being, um, so infinite, I think, is a contemporary way to speak. It would be like saying, um, you know, the realm beyond this world, God is not bound by. Okay. So, if there is a limit to this world, God is not bound by that limit. Okay. Think about it that way. And that includes physic, uh, physical space, time, uh, or even uh, the realm of imagination. Because you and I can imagine, so to speak, a boundary to the universe. Okay? Imagine a boundary. Can we? Well, I mean, can you imagine? Just picture it. What does it look like? I can't. You can't picture a boundary to the universe. No, because so the, it the just goes on is, for black forever. Well, the question is what's beyond that? Aha. So I'm saying imagine. Imagine, okay, so imagine that you're on this side, the inside of the boundary to the universe. Can you imagine that? Potentially, but I can't imagine anything beyond that. Okay. And so the point is that God is not bound by whatever it is you imagine, and he's not bound by whatever it is you can't imagine, because that's also a limit. <laughs> yeah. Right? Your ability to imagine a boundary is a limit, and your ability, your inability is itself a limit. Have you ever been met with the question, why does space exist? No, how would you answer that? Oh, you haven't? I, I'm going to bring that up because that, that's come up a bit in my own ho household, given that my, my sister is also religiously inclined, mm -hmm. um, but she's, she majors in aeronautical engineering, okay. and so space is her thing. But I brought that question up to her before, why does space exist? And it's, it's not necessarily anything we can... Uh -huh. I can't think of an answer. I mean, the answer will be because. <laughs> because, yeah. yeah. Or why not? Why not? Yeah. It's like saying, why do we exist? From a physics perspective, the answer to why is always cause and effect. Right. Uh, but if we're speaking from a philosophical perspective or religious perspective, then uh, the why question is very hard to answer. Okay. Because it is so general that the answer becomes so general. Okay. Or we say because that is what Allah Ta'ala wanted. Yeah. Well, why do you want that? And then, because he did. So eventually it reaches because, because or whatnot. Space is just so huge. Uh -huh. I, like it. Anyway. I mean, I think... Uh, very incomprehensible to me. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's very, very uh, complex and thus beyond comprehension. Okay, what's the, the last sentence? The um, sentences? Thus, some say that in the most universal sense, the world refers to... all. Okay, I read that. Yeah. Um, in this, I read that. Oh my goodness, where am I? I'm so sorry. The verse, the verse thus refers to God being the Lord of all that can be seen or imagined and of all that cannot be seen or imagined by human beings. In the sense, the verse conveys that God is Lord of all space, mm -hmm. not only physical space, and therefore of all that exists, no matter what the nature of that existence may be. For this reason, there is no thing save that it hymns his praise. That's, okay. It's a very traditional English language. Yeah. So, so a few points. Uh, the way it describes it is that Allah is the Lord of everything that is and everything that can be imagined, as well as everything that is not and everything that cannot be imagined. Okay. 
Here he says by human beings, but I think it's limited to, to human beings. I think it would be by anything in creation. Okay, now I feel like I can put that in mathematical terms. That's that's like making the denominator zero. Okay. That's. Do you know what I'm talking about? Keep going. If, if you have a fraction and you make the denominator zero, that it's undefined. There's uh -huh. no mathematical reality to that. Okay. So by saying... He is the Lord of all things that do not exist. That seems like it doesn't make sense. Uh -huh. And yeah, and he is the Lord of everything that doesn't exist. Yeah. Meaning all. If, if we can sum it up, it would be to say something like all. He is the Lord of all. But if that then means that there is a non-all, it'd be like saying what's the opposite of infinity. So he's the Lord of that too. Or infinity over zero. Yeah, he's the Lord of that. Yeah. Cool. And so, so what are some of the sentiments that we should get from this this ayah that we that we received? Uh, how would you describe it? Humility. Okay. So, as a consequence of describing Allah that way, we're seeing our insignificance as well as our impotence, our inability, except that which He gives us. Yeah. Okay. And that which he gives us then is fuel for us to be grateful for. Okay, so next time we'll do I3, inshallah. inshallah. We can keep using this method if this is easier for you. This way you don't have to spend time like preparing or anything. Maybe. Okay. I just have a this past week. Oh, totally, totally. All right, subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta.